Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Sense and Sensibility. We are finishing up with the movie this week, so if you haven't seen the movie that has Alan Rickman in it uh, for Sense and Sensibility, please stop listening now, go watch it, and then come back and we can talk about it, but I don't want anyone to get spoilers for the movie. Um, We'll also be discussing the entire book too, so if you haven't read the book and you haven't read the movie, go back, haven't read the movie, haven't watched the movie. Go back, listen to the first parts of the uh, this episode, and then read the book, watch the movie, all that good stuff, and then come back, and then you'll be ready to talk about it. Or if you don't mind spoilers, cool, then hop in. It'll be great. Um, next, after this, we will be reading The Great Gatsby, so if you haven't read that yet and you want to make sure you read it, please do that before um, next week, because those episodes will start coming out next week. And it'll be a lot of fun. Um, We will have one of my friends join us. And you guys will love it. I really think you'll love it. Um, I loved it. It was the first time I ever read The Great Gatsby. Even though I'd seen parts of The Great Gatsby previously. um, It was nice to actually be able to read it. So that'll be a lot of fun to talk about. But without further ado, let's get into this episode. Hello, hi everyone. We are here with Allison once again, and we are re- not reading. We are we watched the Sense and Sensibility movie, the 1995 version, not to be confused with the BBC version that I almost watched because it was free with Amazon Prime. And we are joined with Allison. <laughs> Hello. That was a great intro from me. You know, early morning recordings are always fun. Flawless. Yeah, absolutely. So. We'll just go through the movie and we're going to talk about it. And okay, so the first scene that they show is like John Dashwood and his father like dying. And I was like, immediately it looks like he's lying with promising to his father. I was like... You can see him like doing the math in his head of what he's supposed to do. He's like (laughs) mouthing words, like trying to figure out how he's going to be like, I can't afford this. I mean, he's, he means to help them. He just, <laughs> I don't know. The scenes with him, with Fanny talking him down, though, are pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. It was like, and then I thought this was like one conversation, conversation, but it looked like it was like a montage conversation that happened throughout the entire day as they're running errands. Yes, which I kind of liked better. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. And then Fanny's dog just looks mad to be there. It's a whippet, I think. Yeah, it looks like Jenna Marbles' dog. (laughs) It's much bigger, though. Like, it's leggier. It's like a mid-sized dog. Yeah, this dog just kind of looks, like, super salty. There was a lot of dogs in this movie, which I liked. But, like, it was It had my favorite dog breed in this movie, and I was very shocked. What's your favorite? A Nova Scotia duck-tolling retriever. That just kind of sounds bougie. I'm not even going to lie to you. They're expensive. I'm not going to lie. We really wanted one, and I don't know if it's still a plan at one point, but they're, um, I mean, obviously, they they have Canadian roots, so I was a little surprised that they were in an 1800s England movie, (laughs) but I don't know enough about them to know if they're, like, actually there in that point in time. I don't don't know know either. I think 
I will say that this movie felt very much in the time period in comparison to the 2005 Pride and Prejudice, where you kind of like felt in that in 2005, you kind of felt like it was casually placed in that time period. Like this one was like, no, we're we're in the 1800s. Things are kind of gross, and there's a lot of people, but you know, here we are. Like yeah, they were not afraid to show dirt. I feel like they really romanticized the 2005 Pride and Prejudice for sure. I mean, I yeah. think that's why people like it too. Like, I really love that movie, but I think that Sense and Sensibility is a little bit more realistic, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I think so too. Um, and then, okay, so then we get to showing Mama Dashwood morning and that uh, John and Fanny move is like about to move in and mama dashwood is like bawling her eyes out and marianne is playing like the most dramatic piano music and eleanor's like could you play something else and she goes to even more mournful dramatic piano music and i just thought it was so funny she's like that girl that like turns on her stereo and slams the door closed in her bedroom literally so one of the things that I noticed was different is that Mama Dashwood immediately wanted to leave as soon as John and Fanny were coming. Right. Which it's not like a bad change. It's just different, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that with any of these movies, they kind of speed up the time frame because you know, they don't have time to show the passage of time. Yeah. It was just, as we were kind of talking about, it felt like this entire movie took place in a week instead of taking place in like four months which like i liked the way that 2005 like showed that time was passing whereas this one was just like you can guess that it was in four days instead of (laughs) i mean i guess like especially with the specifics of them wanting to leave norland right away Mm -hmm. you know that mama dashwood does not like fanny like pretty much from the start so it's not that wild of a conclusion for them to just like want to get out of there and plus like they're a lot more inclined to get out of there once they find out that Fanny definitely openly disapproves of Edward and Eleanor. Yeah. And they're like immediately trying to kick out the Dashwoods too. Like they're sitting at the dinner table and they're like, so like, have you looked at places yet? <laughs> like Fanny's like, what do you think about like leaving? Yeah. And John's like, if that's okay. <laughs> yeah, literally. And then... Fanny tried to kick Margaret out of her own bedroom so that Edward could stay there, too. Um, do you love Margaret in the movie, or yeah, do you love really Margaret? <laughs> I told so you, she's, so, she's, like, almost important in the movie, and she's, like, not important at all in the book. I know. I love her little curls, too. I know. I love her. She's super adorable. Like, that actress is really cute. And, yeah, she is. yeah I was just, I love that they actually talked about Margaret in the movie because she's just not mentioned at all she's like barely mentioned like when they think about their family complete as a whole they think of margaret and their mom being there also yeah true (laughs) but that's pretty much it and like there's also i think we talked about it before in the earlier episodes but there's times where they allude to things that margaret had said that were Mm -hmm. inappropriate in the book and then in the movie they like fully show those yeah moments yeah which i liked it i didn't mind it and then um 
So Edward is like immediately warming everyone's heart and they love him because like one of the things he does is he like hides that Margaret's there from Fanny so that like they don't have to interact because he knows Margaret does not want to interact with Fanny and he does not just slides the atlas underneath the table. Yeah. So Fanny won't see it. Mm -hmm. And then he comes back later with um, Eleanor trying to like show that he found where Margaret was hiding because everyone was looking for her. And like the fact that they draw her out using Margaret's own intelligence made me laugh. Oh Yeah. I'm telling you, Margaret is an essential part to this movie. (laughs) Yeah, I liked it. I really liked that she was in there more. I think the casting is good in these movies, too. Like, Mm -hmm. I think Hugh Grant is the perfect Edward. He's so awkward, but, like, charming in a strange way. Yeah. They always seem to cast Jane Austen movies very well. And that's with my only seeing two of them so far. (laughs) But, you know, so far, we're two for two, you know? You'll have to watch the other versions too. Like there's a there's a Pride and Prejudice that has Colin Firth in it as mm-hmm. Mr. Darcy, and that one's really long. Um, that one's interesting too. I mean, I definitely prefer the 2005 one just because I kind of like how they romanticized it. Like I said, but you got to watch the other ones too. Yeah, I do. I really want to. So then Margaret and Edward's sword fight, and it was super, super <laughs> cute. And I was like, oh, this is adorable. I love this for them. And then he has the moment where he's looking out in the window towards Eleanor, and he gets stabbed by Margaret with his yeah. sword. <laughs> like, ruthless. Yeah. Absolutely ruthless. I like that for her, though. Yeah, me too. So then Edward and Eleanor are, like, spending all their time together. It's super duper cute. And then in the movie, when they get the letter for Barton College, Mama Dashwood wants to wait to see if Eleanor and Edward have an attachment. And, and then, then Fanny is like, uh-uh, not in my house. Yeah, literally. But Marianne already thinks that Edward and Eleanor are engaged, and Eleanor's like, mm, bro, what? <laughs> There's a big misunderstanding throughout these books. Yeah. That's basically the plot is miscommunication. Yeah. It's like much ado about nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and then this is where Fanny calls Eleanor a gold digger to Mama Dashwood. Basically. And then Mama Dashwood's like, all right, peace, we're out. Yeah. Goodbye. And then um, They made Sir John a widower in this one, which I thought was just kind of like a weird change. Do they specifically say he's a widower? Yeah, yeah. But I don't think, I think I told you when we were uh, reading that Lady Middleton is not in the movie, and I don't really think that she's necessary. I don't think she's necessary, but it's just a strange change, you know? I almost like it. I don't prefer it because it's obviously not the book, but... I love the idea of John and his mother-in-law being real close. Yeah. And like so close that like even though that Lady Middleton is gone, he is best friends with her mom. Yeah. I do think the two of them are really funny together. Oh yeah. Mrs. Jennings. Absolutely wonderful. Love her. So great. (laughs) Um 
Then Edward tries to tell Eleanor about Lucy, but Fanny comes running out to make sure that Edward and Eleanor are not left alone together so that he can't propose because that's what she thinks he's going to do. Fanny's annoying. She is so She like runs in and she's like, you must go do the thing that I never told you about. Yeah, and he's like, what? And he's like, I'm going to town this afternoon. She's like, no, right now. You're going right now. And he's like, okay. Edward's such a string bee, and he's just like, okay. (laughs) String bee. (laughs) That's that's an expression I've decided just now. I love that. (laughs) I'm over backwards for people. He's a limp noodle. Yep. So Sir John and Mrs. Jennings have like four dogs. No, there was like six of them at the end. Including the little Nova Scotia duck tolling retriever. It was so cute. They like showed up in an open top carriage and then all these dogs pour out. Like they didn't even let the family like settle in at all. They are just roll up and then they immediately bring all their dogs over. And they're like, look, hello. Yeah, but Sir John and Mrs. Jennings are crazy. And I feel like it's a good way to introduce them as just chaotic. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was funny, though. It is. And then the cottage is huge, and the country is beautiful, and everyone is super duper cold. Like, I... (laughs) And everyone is cold. (laughs) I just... I would kill to have a house that big, you know, for $500 a month. Yeah, in the Nashville area, it's like a $300,000 house, at least. Yeah, same in Florida. It's like... 300 400 depending on where you live if you can see water or not it's got some good square footage i mean in the book they describe it as having like enough bedrooms and stuff like that but they just expected extravagance i guess yeah i just i would love that house it sounds great i guess like you spend so much time at your home and at other people's homes that the home really mattered it's not like people were going out to restaurants and hanging out with their friends there you know yeah, that's true. Not going the to pub is hopping. not. Yeah, the pub is kind of a sketchy place. Yeah. <laughs> Especially for people like this rich. I feel like you, everything is about status and showing off your status would be with your home. And I mean, the same way it is now, like when you entertain people, to yeah. some extent, you are showing off what you have. That's true. That's true. Um, and then they go to talk about the... Uh, they're like all eating lunch together and like the family and then Sir John and Mrs. Jennings are all eating lunch together. And <laughs> this is the point where Margaret says that Eleanor likes someone named Mr. F. And my main observance of this is that Eleanor had her own side of the table just to truly distinguish that she's the main character here. And I, thought I it think really it's funny. almost too that she's just being attacked. Yeah, but I just thought it was funny that like her other, like the three other members of her family had to sit all on one side of the table and she's just by herself. I just love that in this scene, they allude to this scene in the book. This is one of those moments where they talk about Margaret mm-hmm. speaking out of turn, but they don't describe it. And I love seeing it in the movie where they start just like rattling off names with Fs. They're just like, Foster, Fitzwilliam. Yeah. <laughs> just keep going. Literally. Never at the table is like, oh my god. 
yeah make it stop (sighs) poor margaret she's just a wee baby and everyone's like expects her to act like an adult yeah man margaret really gets shafted so um then marianne starts playing and this is where eleanor realizes that it's love at uh, first sight for colonel brandon yeah he's captivated so (laughs) then my next thing is i was like everybody knows that colonel brandon is in love with marianne and he's only been in the film for literally three seconds I mean, that's sort of how it is in the book, too. Like, they have all these moments where they're like, oh, my God, he loves her. It's like, yeah, we know. Yeah, everyone knows. Like, you knew the second this man entered the book. Yeah, truly. It's also obvious how much he, uh, how much Marianne hates him. (laughs) Not hates, but, like. Does not like. Yeah, does not like. And then a weird change in the movie version is that Eliza never married Colonel Brandon's brother. Instead, she just apparently, like, slept around. I mean, she did also uh, get slept around. Yeah, she did that that after, though. She did that after her divorce, though, because, like, she was in a loveless marriage. So it's just weird because there's really nothing keeping Colonel Brandon and Eliza apart in this, whereas there was that factor of she was married to his brother not by her choice and it's just very strange that they decided to go that route instead yeah i think it's kind of a minute detail but it also is an easy thing that they could have just mentioned yeah it's just a weird change you know yeah like i think most of the stuff they changed in here was just like really weird changes to me they're not like big details it was just like that's kind of strange that you did that but all right like not that it really matters to the overall plot it's just like oh okay yeah yeah i agree i mean i think it also i mean it's a minute detail detail but i also think it is a little bit important because i feel like that's why colonel brandon sympathizes so much with edward and lucy's situation because he wasn't allowed to marry the person that he loved yeah that's very true and so he ends up helping them out because of a forbidden marriage yeah i just think that like is a lot about his character too is like he already got his love stolen from him once like they wanted to marry each other and this one it seems like he was just fawning after eliza and she had no like reciprocation of those feelings yeah i think well, I don't think they make it seem like she doesn't love him back. They just don't explain the details as to why they cannot be together, really. Yeah, but it just kind of... that he says that they're disapproved of. Yeah, but I don't know. Just the way it sounded, it sounded like he just didn't... She would, didn't care back because she just kind of slept around instead. Well, yeah. I mean, in the book, it's also sort of similar, though. She does end up sleeping around with everyone just because... She's got basically nothing going for her at that point because no one gets divorced in those days. Yeah. Poor Eliza. Yeah. So Edward is supposed to come immediately in the movie, which, again, was just another one of those weird changes. Because in the book, you know, he's supposed to be... uh, Like, they had no promises, and Eleanor is very upfront about that, like you know 
everyone thought he was going to come really soon. She's like, well, he never made any promise to me. But in this one, he literally promised and he just like couldn't come. Yeah. So. And then (laughs) the other thing that I thought was kind of funny is when Marianne falls, Willoughby is literally on a horse on this one and still carries her in his arms. Isn't he on a horse in the other one? No, he had a a dog and a gun. He was going hunting. It didn't say he was on a horse that I remember. Oh, maybe just in my head I painted it that way because I've seen the movie so many times. Yeah, I don't think he was on a horse. I thought he was just walking the other direction. Yeah, so what do you think of Willoughby in the the movie? The actor is so pretty. (laughs) He's actually in The Crown. Really? Yeah, he plays like the uncle to uh, Philip, Prince Philip. Yeah, I think they casted him perfectly. The weird thing, though, is they really aged everyone up in this movie. Like, you could tell that Emma Thompson was not in her 20s. Yeah, I do think she, I mean, she is young in this movie. I mean, obviously much younger than she is now, but she does look a little bit older than she probably should but i like her as the option yeah it's just hard because they kind of aged everyone a bit more than they should have been because like willoughby does not look like he's 20. well and margaret i feel like looks really young yeah margaret looks really young marianne looks kind of young like i could have believed that she was in her 20s yeah she actually might have been in her 20s, so it's got to yeah. be, like, right around the time. When did Titanic come out? Because that was Kate Winslet, right, that played her? Yeah. I'm going to look up when Titanic came out, because I don't remember. I don't know when it came out, so I can't help you here. No, it's all right. I'm just going to look it up really fast. But it's like Colonel Brandon was, like, Alan Rickman at that point was perfect age, and then, like, Everyone just kind of looked a little too old for what they were supposed to be. But I think they do that in every movie, so it's not, like, a deal breaker for me. So Titanic came out in 1997. So this actually, Sensibility came out before. Yeah, two years before. So how old is Kate Winslet? She's 45. She would have been 20... Oh, she's been 20? married three times. I did not know this. Oh. She would have been exactly 20, right? When Sense and Sensibility came out. She's 45 right now. I think so. Because that was 25 years ago. Yeah, she would have been 20. So there you go. She was like aged perfectly and everyone else was just a wee bit too old. How old was Emma Thompson in that movie? She was about 20. You're right. Um... Emma Thompson, let's see. I mean, actors always play differently than their age. Emma Thompson right now is 61. Dang, she looks good. She was 36? 36, I think. Oh my gosh, she was married to Kenneth Branagh? That means nothing to me. I'll be honest. I don't Wait, I'm double checking myself. Isn't he the guy that plays Gilderoy Lockhart? <laughs> is he? Yeah, he is. <laughs> He's also um, like the director of Thor and stuff. Oh yeah, I did know that he was like a director. He, she's not married to him. Wait, hold on. 
no, they're no longer married, but they were married at one point. Hmm. They got divorced in 1995. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like very into this. <laughs> I know, they got divorced when Sense and Sensibility came out. Strange. I wonder why. Let me look at her current spouse. Oh my god! Wait! Okay, just kidding. Hold on. I'm looking at her husband. <laughs> he looks like... Oh my gosh! John Willoughby! The guy that plays Willoughby! She's married to him! <laughs> what? Maybe that's why they got divorced! Oh my gosh! <laughs> In 1995! Oh my gosh! I never knew that! Wow. I mean, honestly, they look perfect for each other. Like, they're both very pretty people. They are. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Wow. So, Emma Thompson gets divorced in 1995. The same year she's doing this movie with Greg Wise, whom she's been married to since 2003. Okay, so maybe they, like, dated after. We're deep diving into Emma Thompson's relationships. I am just having a moment. Hold on. It's fine. <laughs> I'm, how could, how could I not know such a thing? Do you follow celebrities' marital statuses? I mean, honestly, no. <laughs> Anyways, back to Sense and Sensibility, the movie. <laughs> We are talking about the movie. This is crazy. <laughs> I, know. I know. Now we got too much into actors, though. All right. Well, my point is she was probably like, what, pushing 40? I think I just did the math and she was like 37. Yeah, so pushing 40. So that kind of makes sense because she just was, she didn't look like in her 20s. So I don't know. It was like very obvious that she was not in her 20s. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, she still looks good for her age, though. Oh, yeah. No, like, she looks amazing. She's beautiful and stunning. But, like, also, she just, it was... But you're also supposed to be playing someone who's 20 years old. <laughs> yeah, and, like, if you're older than 20, it's just very obvious that you're not 20, you know? Do I look not 20? No, dude, you look 20. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm older than 20. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, once you, like, go over, like, 26... You can't play someone that's, like, 20, you know? Because... I feel like it's hard to play someone in your 20s when you're out of your 20s. Yeah. Definitely. But I wasn't mad about it. I'm not mad about it. It's just, I always think it's funny when they say stuff like, oh, she's about to become a spinster. Where it's like, you think about it, and at 37, she would have 100% been a spinster at that time period, you know? Right. It's just one of those things. One of those things. So then, you know, Marianne fell and she's like laying on the couch. And then they kick Colonel Brandon and Sir John out in the movie so that Willoughby can come in. And then Colonel Brandon and Willoughby have an awkward stare down. And I didn't realize that at that point, you know, Colonel Brandon didn't know like what Willoughby did. So he's just kind of like, oh, this is weird. But, you know, Willoughby looks kind of like shaken to see Colonel Brandon. Colonel Brandon's a gentleman, though. Like, he, like, yeah. even if he knew, 
I don't know. That's probably not true. But he is a gentleman. I don't think he would, like, he doesn't ever, even in the book, try to destroy a chance of happiness for Marianne with him. Yeah, that's true. It just is funny because they are just, like, stare down as they oh, pass yeah. each other. And then there's, like, the awkward thing about the flowers that they bring, where yeah. he brings her, like, Colonel Brandon brings her these beautiful flowers from a forest, and then <laughs> Willoughby brings her wildflowers. Yeah, she's like, oh, I love these better. And, you know, they're, like, comparing each other. And I'm like, oh, you just think Willoughby's hot, but it's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, like, they start saying Shakespeare together. They just, like, start reciting it for no reason, Marianne and Willoughby. And I was like, okay. Well, they have that kind of moment in the book, too, where they, like, go through all the things that they like and dislike, and they have all the same preferences. Yeah. So I guess... Like, that's what's kind of strange about this movie is that there's a lot of conversations in the book that are alluded to but not described that mm-hmm. the movie takes liberties with. Yeah. And that's I think true. that in, in this case, that one made sense. Yeah. It's just funny seeing it played out. Because, like, when you hear about the book, like, when you read it in the book and it's like they're saying how that kind of happened, you don't like think about how it actually happened. And then, like, you see how awkward and weird this would have been. And you're like, okay. See, but that is your experience because you hadn't seen the movie before. I've seen the movie so many times that I was like, oh, yeah. Like, I didn't think anything about it. Yeah, I was just like, huh, okay, weird. Which is why reading the book before is important. But to be fair, the first time I watched these movies, I was probably too young to understand the books. That's fair, that's fair. I just don't have any experience with the movies previously or the books. So every time it's like a new experience. I enjoy how shook you get by it. I know there's just so many things in this movie I was just like huh that's kind of weird alright yeah I enjoy it so Eleanor is out here absolutely wrecked and like Marianne's just sitting here flaunting her feelings and Colonel Brandon is like having <laughs> to watch this and all that and I was like feeling really bad for Colonel Brandon I love him <laughs> honestly if it wasn't Alan Rickman I'd probably feel differently really I don't know. That's probably not true. I really like his character, but I don't know. Who did you like the most in the movie? Uh, um, honestly, probably Carl Brennan. Is he your favorite character? I think so. I don't know why. I also like Margaret a lot. I like Margaret a lot. Yeah. I think Mrs. Jennings is still my favorite. Yeah. She's this a freak. Really funny. I like her more in the book, though, because they, like, cut her time in half in the movie. You know, because we didn't get any of Cleveland with her. We barely got any London because they were basically there for two days and then they, they left. They are in Cleveland, though, when Marianne gets sick. No, Mrs. Jennings doesn't go to Cleveland. She stays in London. Oh, but, okay, I misunderstood. I thought you said that they didn't go to Cleveland. No. And I was like, no, they go. <laughs> yeah, no. Like, my favorite parts of Mrs. Jennings' character was, like, while she was in London with them and they were all hanging out. So it's like, I feel felt like I got take, that all taken away and I was like, mm. Did you love the olives comment? Yeah, the olives is very funny. See, it's, like, not supposed to be that funny and I find it so funny. It's very funny. It was funny because I knew like how much you enjoy it and then like i've made because you knew how much this pointless comment means to me (laughs) yeah and i was just like i need to like watch out for this and then you're like hey the olives are coming i was like okay and then 
<laughs> it made me laugh. She's so ridiculous. I love it in the movie too because Marianne is like bawling her eyes out. And she's just like, yes, he's getting married. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. But back to our timeline. Yeah. And then so <laughs> Eleanor is doing all of the finances for the entire house, which like I didn't realize that was something that she was doing. Like, Well, she's the only one that knows how to budget. That is apparent in the book. Yeah, I just didn't really think about it, but she's, like, everyone's coming to her, talking to her about, like, the prices they can afford and that kind of stuff. I was just like, oh, okay, like, poor Eleanor having to be the mom of the entire house. Yeah, Mama Dashwood is, like, not that responsible. No, not really. And then Colonel Brandon had to invite Willoughby to the picnic just to get Marianne to come, and I was like, oh. Yeah, that part's awkward, so. Yeah. I'd be that, delighted to join you. Yeah, because that doesn't happen in the book. I think that she's not really interested unless if he's there, though, for sure. I think. Yeah. I think some of these things are made obvious in the book, but like aren't stated. Yeah, that's true. And then uh, Nancy Steele doesn't exist. Which I was fine with. Honestly. Yeah, I was like, okay, whatever. She's not necessary. No, she really isn't. It's just annoying. Talking about yeah. the freaking doctor all the time. Yeah. And they definitely made Lucy way less catty, which is a change that, like, while it's not bad, I kind of... I didn't did like it. it. Yeah, I was like, I like catty Lucy. Like... Yeah, man, I feel like... Well, because I told you when we were reading the books, like, I was so shocked at how mean Lucy was. Because yeah. in the movie, they kind of just paint her as a ditz. Yeah. Like, like I think unaware. it's... A- I think it's important that she's catty because it makes the ending and the confusion make sense. Whereas in this movie, you know, Lucy is really nice and kind of just not very smart. So she would have said, oh yeah, I actually married Robert. Yeah, for like no reason. Like you don't see her as a gold digger. Yeah. Whereas like... I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to ask you how you felt. (laughs) Yeah, I was just very confused on that change because I felt like it was unnecessary and they basically just completely changed her character for no reason yeah i don't think that one uh i mean i don't know if the casting's bad necessarily but i don't think i think she could have played a mean girl i think she was a very good lucy especially being the dits but i think she could have played a mean girl if she wanted to right i think that now that i've read it i think it makes more sense for her to be catty because She's conniving and mm-hmm. wants to make Eleanor hurt. Yeah. Where it's like now that conf- miscommunication just doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. So I really wish they would have kept Lucy being a mean girl. And especially because they don't have her sister. You know, no, now that I'm thinking about it, then she wouldn't have said anything to Fanny if she was the mean girl. Do you think? Because I mean, Nancy- maybe out of vanity. Yeah. I don't know. But she knows, she's, whether or not she's mean in the book, she still thinks that she's very well received by this family. So it's not, it wouldn't necessarily be important if she's mean or not for her to tell Fanny, I think. Yeah, maybe not. Because, I mean, I think it makes more sense a little bit in the movie that she, I see your point. Like, I think it makes a little bit more sense that she would be more willing to say it because she's nice. Yeah. But I also think 
that they make her just like stupid in the movie <laughs> and not like as cunning. Yeah, that's very true. And I just, it's just a weird change that I don't think was good. Yeah, yeah, I don't think I agree with that change. I think for the most part, my blanket belief of this movie is that most of the changes make sense to me. Like it's not, yeah. like the liberties they took were not that extreme. Yeah, I think other than like, yeah, they sped it up, but like it's a movie. That's stuff happens. Like Harry Potter is the same way with all those things. It's like yeah, that Triwizard Tournament looked like it was the only <laughs> thing that happened the entire year they didn't go right, to class. Right. Yeah. It looks like they never went to class. I just um, <laughs> they just should have tried to find a way to show the passage of time because they didn't attempt that at all. So it made it look like everything happened in like five days. Well, that part's true. I think that they could have done at least, like, the seasons changing and, like, a little bit of, like, being around the holidays and yeah, whatever. But, you know, I'm not mad about it. I think it also, in some ways, shows, like, the ridiculousness of everything that happens with Willoughby and Marianne, for one. Yeah, it's just funny because it's, like, the day after Willoughby leaves – Mrs. Jenny's like, let's go to London. And Eleanor's, or Marianne's like, yeah, let's go to London. Well, she wants to go because Willoughby's there. Yeah. That's in the book, too. But it was like a month after Willoughby left, they go. Whereas, like, this happens a day after. Well, right. And there's not as much back and forth with things. So there's a lot of times where, like, Edward comes to visit to, like, call on Eleanor. And it's when Lucy's mm-hmm. there. Like, they, they, like, jam-pack a lot of things into yeah. like the same meeting yeah which, which a like, lot of it's kind of makes sense yeah that yeah. makes sense to me like i'm i'd rather everything be 100 percent of the book most of the time but it doesn't bother me i feel like the only way things can be 100 percent to the book is if they're mini series you know right. like you can't really do it with a movie no matter how much you try because right. it, like you can't have a five-hour movie yeah i mean you I can agree. lord of the rings did it but like Lord of the Rings did it on certain occasions that they didn't need to do it. <laughs> like The Hobbit. The Hobbit could have been one movie. I'm just unpopular opinion. Okay. <laughs> I still have not read it, but you know. I'm not going to lie to you. This is a very unpopular opinion. I thought The Hobbit was good. I'm not saying it's not good. And Tolkien's a great writer, but I have such bad attention span that Tolkien over describes for me to the point where I forget what we're even talking about. Yeah, that's what I've heard, and I'm just, it's one of those that I'm going to have to, like, set aside time to read, and I just don't have time to do that right now. Right. I mean, it's a good book. It's definitely a classic you should read, but, like, for that reason, I I mean, I obviously started with The Hobbit, but I was like, oh, I'll read Lord of the Rings, too, because, you know, I get the movies, and my brother's read the books, my mom's read the books, so, like, for the most part, if I have a question, like, they know the answer, so I do understand the plot pretty well, but... Sometimes I want to be able to understand it more. Yeah. And then after reading The Hobbit, I'm like, oh my God, I'm not going to make it. (laughs) Maybe at some point we'll cover it on the podcast. Oh my gosh, yeah, when I have two years off. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Tangent. (laughs) Small tangent. It's fine. So they were supposed to picnic at Delaford uh, when Colonel Brandon left. And it's even worse is because... Uh, now that I realize that Willoughby is talking smack about Colonel Brandon, now that we actually know what happened between them, and that he slept with, right? Beth. 
But it's not. I don't think that Willoughby's even aware that he's knocked this girl up at this point. You don't think I mean, so? obviously he's aware that he's done something wrong. But yeah. I don't think he knows until Lady Allen. Like, I don't think anyone knows that this girl is with child until later. Until I want to know how Lady... Also, they call her Lady Allen. Her name's Mrs. Smith. Yeah, I think they just do it so that people that don't know the books understand the fact that she's from Allenham. I guess. It's not... Yeah, I agree. It's not an important change. Like, some of those things are, like, easy changes where it's like, just stick to the book, man. Like this Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, not that hard. So it's like, okay, why would you change that? But all right. I agree. I definitely agree. There's certain times where they do things like that, and I'm like, was there, like when you said the thing about Eliza, like, it really wouldn't have been that hard for him to say that, like, she ended up marrying her brother. Or yeah. his brother, I mean. Yeah. Also, they actually named Eliza's daughter in this one. They named her Beth, which she wasn't named in the book. And I'm like, okay, I'm glad you named her because it was very confusing to try and figure out who we're talking about. Okay, wait, we've talked about this, right? That I can never figure out what the name of Eliza's child is because they act like the baby's name is Eliza also. Yeah, but they just don't name her. But at one point, Willoughby talks about marrying Eliza. Like, did she yeah. pass her name? I don't know. Or I don't know. Also, it could have been one of those things where Eliza literally, you know, kicked the bucket as she was pregnant and Colonel Brandon named her Eliza as well. Just in memory of her mother. Right. Well, it's possible that she was also named Eliza, but maybe they call her Beth in the movie. In the book, it definitely seems like both of them are Eliza. And I was like, obviously having the movie first in my brain, I was like, is her name Eliza too? I thought Eliza was the one that Colonel Brandon left. But I think that maybe just for the ease of not going into that, that they maybe just named her, which like... Honestly, that's fine by me because I was like, (laughs) I had no idea who we were talking about. Because in the book, I was confused. I'm also very... Still confused if that one girl's name is Anne or Nancy. Yeah, I know. I'm like, okay, we'll just. I think it's Nancy Anne. You know. I think you're probably right, but I just like why? Like, I why are know. you making it hard on me? Just tell me her name. Literally. That it was Nancy, and then you started calling her Anne, and I don't know when we decided her name was Anne. <laughs> when Willoughby says that he has to go away, he literally sprints out of the cottage, and I just it made me laugh so hard. I think it's good, so though. I think it makes sense. He's, like, it trying to get sense. the heck out of there. And even in the book, I think he says, like, I'm not going to torment myself. Yeah, but it was just, it was so dramatic that it made me laugh. Yeah. So, everyone is crying, and Eleanor is literally, literally like, left in the hallway. <laughs> Every single person locks themselves in their room. Like, Marianne can't even get in the room that she shared, or Margaret can't even get in the room that she I think she shares with Marianne and has to go into a different room and locks the door. Well, Marianne and um, Eleanor sleep together in the same room and Margaret's bringing her a cup of tea. Oh. So then Margaret goes in her own room. Okay. I was like, I couldn't figure out the room arrangements here, but it was just funny to me that like no one could get in anywhere and they just locked all the doors and then Eleanor's just sitting on the stairs like, what do I do now? (laughs) With a yeah, I don't think it's like uh, there's one point where Margaret and Eleanor are definitely sleeping in the same room. So either Margaret has her own room or is sleeping in the same room as her mother. Yeah, I'm not sure. 
she probably is sharing a room with her mother because well either that or like they have that room set up for margaret and then like when guests come over she stays in the room with her mother yeah i'm not sure lucy instead of showing the small painting to prove that they're actually together just shows the handkerchief and like blows her nose in it and has it so that like the ECF is like perfectly facing towards Eleanor, keeping in mind that Eleanor has the exact same handkerchief. So awkward. It's I kind just, of like that way that they did that though. Yeah, but it was funny to me because it was just like so extra because it wasn't that it was like it was like Lucy was trying to prove that they were actually engaged without actually Super See, I think off. that she is not very smart in this movie and does it, yes, to brag, but I don't think she does it with Malentine. bad intentions. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just, it's weird. Yeah, I don't like movie Lucy as much. Yeah, me either. I think they just kind of ruined her character a bit. Like, now that I've read the book, I'm confused why they went that way. I actually want to rewatch the other... I think I've seen the other version of it. I've seen a lot more versions of Pride and Prejudice, but I'd be interested to see. Yeah. We should maybe read, uh, watch the other one. Yeah, we could do that. That would be a lot of fun, just because um, I want to see a Caddy Lucy real bad. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if she is in that one either. I... I need to see, like, a picture of what that movie looks like, and then I would be able to know. Even if I had seen it, though, it's been so many years. I'll look. Okay. Um, And then, as I said, immediately after Willoughby left, they're going to London in this one. And then Colonel Brandon kind of hints at his knowledge, but he doesn't say anything. Um, When Eleanor, when he asks Eleanor if you know, they're together, like, if they're engaged. And then Robert Ferris is at the ball in this one, and... You hate Robert. I hate Robert so much. He looks like a rat, and, <laughs> like, not that's he not... Does have, he does have a strange appearance in the movie. It's like the way he talks, too. It, and it's not to be mean about the actor, because I'm sure the actor outside of that movie looks fine, but, like, I don't know what he did with, like, his hair and overall just, like, outfit appearance, but it made him look like a rat. It's also the way he's, like, speaking. Yeah, that too. And then um, Miss Jennings makes Eleanor and Robert dance. And I was like, no. And then Eleanor trades off so that Lucy's dancing with Robert, and this is how they get Robert and Lucy to have feelings for each other instead yeah they make it more plausible that they like legit fell in love with each other yeah but i guess they had to do that because lucy isn't catty in this one yeah so this is closer to the dancing that i thought they would be doing in pride and prejudice so with a 2000 prime movie in pride and prejudice they did like that line dancing where they passed by each other once you know Whereas this was, like, coupled dancing. Right. I think that they... No, they do this in the other one, too. Do they? Where they're, like, trading partners and stuff. Well, yeah. they trade partners, but, like, they're in a line on either side. You know? 
and they I cross think over. I to know which is more traditional. Yeah, me too. Or if both are traditional and just different. Yeah, because it's like Jane Austen doesn't describe the dancing, so it's like you can't date it based on that. I mean, I think it's probably still. I'm sure they have a team of historians on this thing to make sure that it's at least semi-accurate. Yeah. Someone tell me which is more likely that they did, because I had a lot of questions in 2005 how they barely talked, like, how Jane, er. <laughs> Elizabeth. Lizzie. Elizabeth, thank you. You see my brain just break. Um, How Elizabeth and Darcy talked, because they, like, barely passed by each other, whereas this, they have a lot more close interactions where it would be more awkward that they weren't talking. Right. Yeah. I bet they probably did a little bit of everything. Like, I think they do it so that people can meet each other and Mm -hmm. such. So Willoughby and Eleanor ended up running into the dance floor on this, in this one. Good transition. Yeah. Marianne yells across the entire ballroom for Willoughby and everyone gets, like, really quiet. And I was like, oh, geez. I think it's a good way of showing of, like, how tactless they are in their relationship yeah truly so that's when you see that you know willoughby is engaged and all that hits the fan and miss gray is beautiful in this movie (laughs) yeah absolutely stunning but like also i mean this is the only time you get to see her in the entire movie is this one right but also in the book yeah I guess she just gets mentioned. You don't get to really see her. In the book, she's supposed to just be, like, average looking, but has the money. Yeah. You know, she's beautiful in this one. And, like, you can kind of get that she would be stuck up, though. Right. So that carried over. (laughs) That worked for us. Yeah. And then Lucy is staying with Mrs. Jennings instead, which was a weird change. But, you know, they had to do that because... That she wouldn't stay with Lady Middleton and Sir John because Lady Middleton doesn't exist. Right, yeah, I don't know where Sir John is at this point. He actually doesn't come to London, does he? I don't think so. I don't think he does either. He's not super, well, they do really condense this part, like all of London, because London is a big chunk in the book. Yeah, it's like the majority of the book, and they're just like, eh, that doesn't matter. Anyways. As is every Jane Austen book when they go to London. Yeah. They just basically made London two days because she finds out Willoughby is, like, getting married and they immediately leave for Cleveland. Right. And then Colonel Brandon is the one that told Willoughby, uh, told Eleanor that Willoughby intended to propose. And Eleanor tells Mary Ann immediately about this. Right. Well, I mean... It's not that bad. It's just weird to me. I like the drama of Willoughby showing up drunk. I wish that was in the movie. But I also think if they were to cut it out, like Colonel Brandon is the right person to kind of... Yeah, it's just weird to me because it's like, why would he have known? Like, it didn't seem that him and Mrs. Smith had a relationship. So it's weird that he would have found time to talk to mrs smith in this very short window of getting well it makes sense actually because willoughby has 
this illegitimate child and Mrs. Smith is to give him his inheritance. Yeah. So at one point they would probably have talked. Yeah, true. It's just weird how it like plays out. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I agree, but it wouldn't be weird for him to talk to Mrs. Smith though. Yeah. True. And then we get to the awkward love triangle of uh, Lucy Eleanor and Edward and they did this perfectly it's super duper awkward the fact that he doesn't (laughs) see Lucy when he immediately walks in because she's like behind him a little bit I thought was yeah that was good yeah I thought that was very funny (laughs) and then you know we flash next to Lucy telling Fanny that she's engaged to Edward and I was like the moron and Mm -hmm. (laughs) Fanny just pinches her nose and like pushes her out the door. I enjoy her freak out in this movie. Yeah, I thought it was very funny. And then she just got Lucy out of the house. And then um this is when Marianne finds out that Edward and Lucy are engaged. And then he she asks Eleanor where her heart is, and Eleanor just like fully breaks down. She's like, really? Like <laughs> I've been having yeah. to do for months. I think it's a justified freak out. Yeah. Like, I just think it was kind of tactless for Marianne to do that. And I don't really remember her doing that in the book. Because she, in the book. You make Marianne like, a lot more insensitive in the movie. I mean, she's, yeah. she is sensitive, but like insensitive to other people's feelings. But she's like harder on Eleanor in the movie, I guess is the right way to phrase that. Yeah. And it's just it's weird to me that they would have that close of a relationship when Marianne is so hard on Eleanor you know right yeah I think the book does a better job yeah in that sense and then Colonel Brandon when he tells Eleanor about the small estate not estate but the small parish he says that it should allow them to marry immediately which is just another small but also kind of weird change. Yeah, that one I... Like, it's another one of those things where I'm not really mad about it, but yeah. Not that hard to fix it. (laughs) I know, it's just like, I don't know why they made these small changes. It it, Sometimes it feels like they almost just read the cliff notes of this book. Well, I think in this case, it's to avoid having the conversation with Mama Ferris, because she isn't even casted you just hear of her because remember he goes to mrs ferris to find out if he can have any extra money to get married well he never expected um them to give like mama ferris to give him money and like she doesn't even like they don't explicitly say that he's been disowned, do they? In the movie? Um, not specifically, but it's, like, alluded to that he has nothing now. Yeah. Yeah. But it's I think just, they do that to avoid the whole, like, interaction with... Yeah, and the interaction with her. I, I get that. That's fine. So, like, I'm not mad about it. It's yeah, that's weird. fine. <laughs> Um, and then Eleanor tells Edward that he will always be her friend. And I was like, ouch. And he's like, uh, 
So it sounds great. Thanks. I mean, it's awkward because I feel like he doesn't know, like he couldn't say the opposite anyway, but he like tries to say that he loves her like a million times without saying it. Yeah. Yeah. And then because they sped the timeline up so much, Miss Jennings couldn't come with them to Cleveland because then it would have looked like she was only in London for two days and then went to Cleveland, which is a thing. Yeah. And when they arrive, Colonel Brandon is already in Cleveland. And then this is something that does not happen at all. Well, like she goes for a walk, but so Marianne goes for a walk and then it starts to rain, but she walks all the way to see Willoughby's house and it's like bawling in the rain, staring at Willoughby's house. And like, that does not happen. She goes for a walk and gets rained on, I think. I think it's alluded to in the book in the sense that she knows she's not far from the estate that he's to inherit. The part that very much does not happen is Colonel Brandon has to go search for her in the pouring rain and then he carries her back in his arms and she is freezing. Right. Yeah. I'm not mad about that change. No, I just think they wanted to basically show that like this was going to be her next love interest immediately, you know, which was him doing the exact same thing Willoughby just did. I think they try to make it more realistic that she could fall in love with him. Yeah. Yeah. True. Because in the book, it's not very realistic, you know? Like, there's no showing of them falling in love. It just kind of is like, oh, you're married now. Yeah, I mean, that's like one of the major critiques of this book for, you know, as long as people have been critiquing it. Yeah. So I'm okay with them actually showing them falling in love in the movie because I feel like that was much needed. Yeah. I told you, I thought that the way they handle it in the movie is pretty, pretty good. Yeah, and then Mrs. Palmer sprinting out of the room when the doctor came out and told her that there was an infection got to me. It made me laugh so hard. Yeah, I told you that. That one was worth it. Yeah, that was very funny. So that's definitely what I pictured when I read the book. Yeah, I loved that. And then so everyone leaves and it's just Colonel Brandon and the doctor because Miss Jennings isn't there. Mrs. Jennings isn't there. And then they make Marianne look absolutely dead. Oh, yeah, and they're, like, bloodletting and stuff. Yeah. Probably cocaine. Yeah, probably cocaine. (laughs) And then the doctor is sleeping here in this one, which... I think they tried to make it look like Marianne's situation is pretty dire. Yeah, I kind of... For the viewer. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't mind the doctor sleeping there. It's just interesting because then it's, like, two girls can't be, like, left alone, so it kind of makes sense that the doctor would be there when Mrs. Jennings couldn't be, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. And then they finally get back home. The rest is basically the same. And Colonel Brandon is reading to Marianne, which I thought was super cute. And he's, like, reading with emotion, which we know how much Marianne loves. Right. And then you see Marianne growing to care for Colonel Brandon, which, you know, I love. And then Colonel Brandon. <laughs> <Which> I love. <laughs> Colonel Brandon sends Marianne a pianoforte, which is like really cute, but it's just funny to me because one of the things that she talks about in the book is that her and Willoughby had sheet music that was left open on the piano that doesn't exist in the movie. Oh, yeah. But, you know, that's a detail. That's... It's, again, just one of those small details. I just think it's funny. Mm hmm. 
So Edward rolls up after they find out that, you know, they think he's married. He's not, but you know, um, Edward rolls up and all the girls have to pretend that they were just chilling in the house and they're like throwing things, putting it away and like sitting down. And I just, they did that in Pride and Prejudice as well. And I just think it's so funny. Yeah. It so works. Eleanor's eyes just went so wide when he goes, oh, you mean Mrs. Robert, Robert for, uh, Ferris? Her eyes were like out of her head. They do a good job of that, for yeah. sure. And then instead of Eleanor running out of the room crying, she just starts breaking down right in front of Edward. And the sisters and her mother just look at each other and immediately leave. Yeah. Her, her cry is good, though. Yeah, her cry is very good. Very much what's described in the book, which would be very hard to do. I know. I just thought it was very funny that they go outside and <laughs> Margaret climbs into her treehouse and's like spying on them with her little telescope. She, See, Margaret she, is such an important person in this movie. <laughs> and they're like, he got down on one knee. And <laughs> Mary Ann and Miss Mama Dashwood are just like screaming. <laughs> they're like, don't look, but tell us what's happening. Yeah. And then it goes to Colonel Brandon and um, Marianne's wedding, and right behind them is uh, Edward and um, Eleanor. So they already got married. We didn't get to see that wedding, but you know. Oh, Colonel I always Br- thought it was a double wedding. Uh, I mean, she's not in a wedding dress or a veil or anything, so I just assumed she was like maid of honor situation. Oh, that's very possible. Yeah. Because, I mean, they're not going to show... Like, they would have had something small, just family. Whereas Colonel Brandon's wedding is going to be extravagant because he has money. Well, that part's true. And then Willoughby, on horseback, just looking down at Marianne's wedding, just got to me a little bit. See, that's him showing his regret. Yeah, it's so dramatic, and I just thought it was kind of funny. It is. Colonel Brandon throws coins into the air and Fanny makes John grab coins from the ground even though they're absolutely loaded and I just thought that was funny. It was very on brand for her. Very on brand. She's the worst. Absolutely. So that is all we have. That is the 1995 Sense and Sensibility movie. What do you rate it out of five? I'm gonna say it was like four out of five. It was good but I really wish they like, I wish they didn't speed up the timeline because I think it makes things seem weird. Yeah, I could see that. Like, I just wish they would have shown changing of seasons, those kinds of things, and, like, slowed it down a bit because it just felt very, very rushed, especially having the original text and knowing what the original text was supposed to be. It's just kind of strange. I agree with that. That's true. Yeah. How do you I feel mean, about it-, it now that you've actually read the book? I think my biggest disappointment is Lucy. Yeah. But I also think, like, there's certain... I feel this way with, like, any Jane Austen movie, just because they are very old books at this point, that they do some things to... Like, the movie usually takes some liberties. Like, both this movie and Pride and Prejudice, not to compare again, but Mm -hmm. they both take liberties with, um, like, romanticizing the script a little bit. Yeah. So, like, you actually hear Edward's proposal in this one, and it's cute, and there's certain things that Darcy says in the movie that he doesn't say in the book, but I love those lines in the movie. Yeah. So, um, 
I don't mind that. Like, I don't mind some of the liberties that the movies take. But Lucy is for sure the greatest disappointment because I think it's important to show that she's really not deserving of being with Edward. Yeah, I think just it's strange that they made that choice. And I think the movie would have been a lot better had they kept her being catty. Right. And I think it would show better that she's not the right match and that she's like not as educated or polite. Yeah, because, like, this one, it just kind of seems like, oh, they just happened to not work out. Whereas, like, the book's like, no, if they had gotten married, both of them would have been very unhappy. Right. Like, I think that they don't do a good job of showing her as being, I don't know, just not right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. But it's a good movie. And I think that Margaret is one of the best liberties they take in this movie. I fully agree with that. They give her so much personality, and I think that's important. I really love Mrs. Jennings. And I wish we got more Mrs. Jennings, I'll be honest. I told you, you didn't like her at first, and you're, you love her now. I know. But her, her being, them being in London with Mrs. Jennings completely changed my opinion on her character. Oh, yeah, she's funny. And I think that Charlotte is good casting. Like, overall, this movie has very good casting. Yeah. But, um... I think that that it's lacking in some ways of like Lucy's character development, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, And Mrs. Jennings, you're right. I do wish there was a little bit more Mrs. Jennings, but I love Mrs. Jennings cast. Her and Charlotte are both freaks. Yeah. And I appreciate that. And it's weird to me though, that like with the Mrs. Palmer situation is they didn't make her look pregnant or anything and then they just kind of went to Cleveland and she already had like a two-month-old baby there. So it's like that means they just left the baby with the nanny in Cleveland. They didn't bring the baby. Like in London, you mean? No, like they didn't bring the baby to London at all. Or you just don't see the baby in London. Maybe, but it's just weird that that was another change they make. Yeah, I mean. It's all small but like kind of strange choices, you know? Yeah, I think there's small choices that could have been easily fixed sometimes. Yeah. But I think that they had some justification of like, you know, I don't want to bring Mrs. Ferris into this, so we'll do this. And like, fine, it still gets the main point of the story across. Yeah, true. And honestly, Mrs. Ferris doesn't really bring much to the table other than her being very um, elitist. (laughs) Yeah. And um, she's just not, I mean, she's necessary, but, like, you get enough of, like, hearing about who she is in this movie yeah. that you don't need to meet her to fully understand her character. Yeah, true. So, I don't know. I think it's pretty good. Yeah, I liked it. It was pretty good. I'd watch it again. <laughs> 10 out of 10. We'll watch again. Yeah. All right, well, that's all we have. So thank you so much, Allison, for joining me on this uh, adventure with Sense and Sensibility. I love it. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Where can all the people of the internet find you? <laughs> um, my Instagram is at underscore Allison Eason <laughs> underscore. <laughs> uh, yeah, it flows right off the tongue. Yeah. It always sounds so good when I say it. Yeah, we love it. 
but we will catch you in the next one. Bye. Bye. <laughs>